Three, two, one, blast off. Hey, it's Lisa, and none of my co-hosts are here today, but I've been gone for two months, so bet you missed me. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, it is the third Wednesday of the month, so here we are on this cold and semi-snowy Wednesday, uh, Snowpocalypse 2020, apparently. Um, nobody can go anywhere, and there's literally no snow on the ground, so that's the situation we're in. <laughs> Um, it's kind of ridiculous. So, um, so yeah, I'm here. I'm ready to talk to a friend of mine that I brought with me, um, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hey, y'all. Uh, my name is Marcel, um, and uh, I am a sex worker, um, and I also um, do harm reduction work um, as a social worker in my civvy life. Um, and yeah, I'm just here to talk to y'all about sex worker rights yeah we're gonna talk about it all right so uh thank you for coming thank you really for having me really last minute <laughs> <laughs> like literally we were running in here so that was the thing <laughs> um yeah so thank you for coming and so you uh helped start the green light project correct i did so can um, you tell us about that yeah so um we were formed um, out of sort of a need for um, more outreach to like street-based sex workers and also especially um, people of color. Um, and we, so first um, POC Swap was formed, um, which is People of Color um, Sex Worker Outreach Project. Um, and then out of that, um, a need for like grassroots street-based work um, doing outreach uh, with those type of workers um, was uh, obvious and so we formed Greenlight Project and uh, what we do is we go out on the track um, on Aurora um, and we uh, work with street-based workers we um, just do direct outreach to them and we provide like supplies that they um, need and want um, to make their work like better and safer um, and just more comfortable for them. Um, and yeah, that's like sweet. So basically, more harm reduction. <laughs> yeah, more harm reduction oh, yeah. um, for everybody. Yeah. Yes. So we pass out like safe sex um, and safe use kind of kits. Um, we pass out condoms, um, different types. We have um, latex and non latex condoms. Finally. Yeah, it's, and the non-latex condoms are very expensive. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, and then we try to provide, like, internal condoms also. Okay, cool. Um, but those are also yes. really expensive. Pricey. So if anyone wants to yeah. donate to us. Plug um, it early. <laughs> we have, yeah, um, GLP Seattle is on Twitter, and we have, like, multiple ways to donate Um I don't like have all of those uh, links on me, but well, I'm... we can post them to the page. Yeah, yeah. Because I am a monthly, I am a monthly donator to y'all. So yeah. yes, so I... I have all that information ready to go. <laughs> yeah, put it on there. So yeah. So but there's Venmo, there's Cash Ma Cash App, like pretty much any way all that you could stuff. donate to a sex worker. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have all the ways. Um, so anyway, we can use help with like supplies and then also just donations of cash so that we can buy the supplies we need. Um, 
But yeah, so we have safe sex uh, kits and then also safe use kits for people who use drugs. Um, and we provide like different sizes of needles um, as well as like, you know, cottons and cookers and like just everything that somebody would need to cook up a shot safely. Um, and then we also provide like snacks um, and uh, gosh, all kinds of things. I'm sure it rotates like, with like whatever you're getting donated Yeah, right to. now we yeah. have, we're carrying like cold medicine. <laughs> oh, that's um, useful. Hand warmers. We're yes. making some fleece scarves for the ladies out Fancy. there. And I say ladies because um, it, it happens to be mostly ladies out there right now. Um, that We've seen a couple of like trans femme folks, but mostly, mm-hmm. mostly it's um, young uh, POC women okay. that are out there and they... Most of them used to be like doing like online sex work or yep. or um, doing like escorting, but sure. had like much safer ways to screen their clients. But um, post FOSTA SESTA, mm-hmm. um, which is um, legislation that was formed to fight like online sex trafficking, but really has like not um, it hasn't done the job that it was put out to do in that it hasn't actually like um found anybody that has been trafficked and it has like pushed sex workers who had like safer ways to do their work underground so it's basically backfired like everything mostly that is passed through legislation excuse me um yeah yeah so uh yeah tell us some more about that because i know that somebody who like also serves aurora i've definitely seen a lot more people um, on the track and and what is the track like define that for us <laughs> so a track is like a place where people do street-based sex work mm-hmm. where they're like standing out on the street generally like waiting for dates mm-hmm. um, and it's like a lot of car dates they call them sure or like work in and out of motels around the area um, and we have a couple of tracks in Seattle um, Aurora is like the major one kind of from like I mean, I would say really from downtown, but like the hot spots are like from 85th to maybe 145th. Sure. Um, and so we walk generally um, in that area. Okay. Um, and we go, we had been going late at night, um, but we were sort of like targeted by some of the management that is sure. um, working with a lot of the girls out there. Um, and so we weren't feeling as safe going late and Honestly, we were asked by a lot of the girls to come out earlier because um, sure. they're working earlier, some of them, and, like, uh, wouldn't be able to find us. So, like, we've been having some success going out a little bit earlier and feeling a little safer and still serving the population that we need to serve. Um, Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, like I said, like, I've also noticed there's been a lot more people out and about. Um, there's people that, been, you like, know, five times yeah. as many it's, it's very noticeable people yeah. yeah so our main track is on on aurora like i said but then there's one in south seattle sure um kind of down federal way like SeaTac area mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and then like uh the international district can be a hot spot and sort sure. also unfortunately we right now only have the capacity to serve aurora because we're not funded yet we're like Hoping and expecting to get some funding. Um, And so really a big problem that like all mutual aid and harm reduction like organizations face universally is that they're underfunded. And Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. 
so like what we really want to be able to do is that right now we're a peer, we're a peer run organization um and we would like to be able to pay our volunteers yeah absolutely. to go out to do outreach and right now like everybody is just a, a volunteer um and no one's paid and so like we really want to be able to pay like good activists and harm reductionists for their work um, yeah absolutely well everybody should be paid especially people who are going out with lived experience and yeah. like helping folks out um yeah so i mean what kind of funding like are you guys looking at i mean just like you know grants like yeah some big sugar daddy out there who's got, <laughs> got all got all the funds i don't know i mean <laughs> our venmo's out there yeah sure, if the sugar daddies there that is. are listening want to um fund, fund green light yeah, project <laughs> you know buy some buy us like five thousand condoms um yeah that would be amazing agreed um <laughs> yeah so yes we are looking any kind of money any kind of supplies in kind donations grants um yeah all of that stuff is yeah cool. well and so i mean i guess i mean it's obvious to me and to you but i mean explain to us why it's important to be out there helping sex workers out that are especially street-based so really none of the organizations that claim to be out um doing work with street-based sex workers are doing um work that um that the community wants. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of like rescue organizations mm. that are faith-based. And so they're very high barrier and they only um, work for like folks that um, don't want to engage in sex work anymore and want to like embrace the Lord. And so um, for workers that just like are in survival mode and need to keep working, but also just want to be safe. Um, these organizations are like not doing anything that is like helping keep these women like empowered and safe. Um, so it's really similar to the abstinence-based uh, organizations within syringe exchange, like specifically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Sure. Um, and like harm reduction is very much like frowned upon. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's not it's not black and white it's that gray area you know but you can't most people live in that gray area so you can't just leave people in the gray area with no tools to you know try to be safe try to you know um you know make sure that they're intact basically right. in the gray area you know uh people don't just sort of exist in that area and then decide one day oh well you know what i should do i'll just stop doing whatever i'm doing right now I mean, you know, people are in survival mode and um, there's a lot of people that are like facing <clears throat> poverty mm -hmm. um, and that like they're just doing this to get by. Many of them are like students, um, mothers. A lot of them have like another part time job and like they are doing this to pay their rent. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, yeah. and that's. I mean, and that's, again, you know, like, that's why I think that both is like harm reduction encompasses all these different things, you yeah. know, and it's because like, there's these visions of these people who are, you know, sex workers or experiencing homelessness or have mental illness. There's this, there's this idea people have of them in their heads, like, oh, well, this is what that person looks like, because this is what I've seen. This is what I've been exposed to. Um, like I always say, you know, the, the, the vast majority of people who are 
doing sex work or using drugs or, you know, whatever, um, you know, they're just, you would never know. Yeah. You know, you would never know. They're just, they're just living their lives. They're just trying to get by just like the rest of us, you it's know. It's true. Um, and I would say like post FOSTA SESTA, especially, um, the demographic has really changed to like very young, very beautiful, um, women who, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, are actually, most of them are not um, drug users and they don't want um, the harm reduction kits in that way. They just want right. the safe sex stuff and they're like, um, really, really just in survival mode. Sure. Um, and most of them are are not necessarily homeless. Yeah. Like, um, they, you know, get a room for the weekend to mm -hmm. try to work or they come out um, on like, weeknights and then they go home um to their kids um right. and they yeah. get up with their kids the next day and get their kids off to school and then they um go you know they're really doing this to support their families and to support themselves sure and so you know it's it's living that sort of dual life which i mean people are like oh dual life but you know we, we really all do that so in one way or another yeah, you know. and that's part of the reason why um, many of us use aliases mm -hmm, um, sure. because it's like not safe for us to use um, our legal name. Um, like in my, because I do social work, um, it would be very unsafe for me to use my legal name um, because like a client could literally be listening to this radio show and then they could out me as a sex worker. Um, yeah, and, and what kind of repercussions would that have? Yeah, and luckily know? my direct boss, um, I'm super lucky in that um, she knows about my personal life and um, and my side hustle being sex work, and she um, is very, very supportive of me. But, like, what if her boss found out, you know? And um, Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm very much It's people's personal beliefs or whatever they think it is, you know? I think there's a lot of... I think there's a lot of things to talk about here. You know, it's like why so many people have to have a side hustle. I think that's a really important, you know, uh, subject that I think, you know, it's I, I know there's like lots of people I know who work within the nonprofit realm who do sex work or do or drive Uber or whatever. They get off work and they go to work and yeah. they just work and work all night and then they get up and go to work again. Um, you know, and I mean, the, if that's the reality for people who are employed then what, you know, when we're expecting people who are, you know, street-based sex workers and people who are experiencing homelessness and people who are, you know, struggling with, like, substance use to just, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps and, you know, yeah. <laughs> get a job or whatever. I mean, it's just it, the struggle is real uh, within yeah. that, you know, it, it's it's really very hard to it is. survive. <laughs> and especially, um, like personally, I struggle with my own mental health issues and my own physical, um, like I have terrible migraines that are debilitating and I also have, um, like a knee injury. And so I can't really work, uh, full time. Um, and but you are working full time though. I mean, that's well, the thing, right? So I, I, yeah, I'm <laughs> running Probably myself more than ragged. Yeah. I mean, so I work part time in my social work job. Sure. And then I do like online sex work, um, which is mostly like um, cam shows for folks. Um, and right. um, yeah, and it's 
it can be really exhausting. Um, sometimes you really only make a few dollars. Yeah. Like I made like I did a cam show this morning real quick and I made like three fifty before I went to work. Well, you yeah. Know. And you, it's like, <laughs> like it's, it does take a lot of time, though. Like I've been I've been with you. We were like, I will be right back. <laughs> like Run off. I'll be back. Like we're like we're yeah, going, I was at like, the bar the other night and I was it. literally yes. watching a man in panties jack off on my phone while we were sitting um, having drinks yeah um, so this is what we're talking about <laughs> i mean whatever we all do these things behind closed doors so don't act like a prude yeah don't act like <laughs> um, a prude. so yeah no so i mean you know that's but that's a real thing like if we're all struggling and we're you know and me and you are obviously privileged we're just talking on this show we're housed all these things yeah um you know so what happens to people when they're not and what happens to people when you know, there is legislation, legislation, good God, passed. <laughs> I can't say that word, apparently. Um, you know, that that targets, uh, you know, those people's only side hustle. And then they are forced to go out on the street. I mean, so what are the what what happens when somebody goes from sort of uh, Internet or back page based sex work onto the street? What are the differences there? What are the, what are the things that happen? It's fairly horrific. Um mm. I have a girl um, that I've been working with, actually, that, like, ended up, um, she was doing dates off of a site called Seeking Arrangements, which is, like, a sugar daddy, sugar, sugar baby sort of site, um, and that one's actually still up, um, but she lost her housing, mm-hmm. um, and she's, like, a drug-using sex worker. Um, she does have a partner, luckily, so... Um, She's a little safer than some that sure. are like, you know, on their own uh, facing homelessness kind of thing. Um, but she had an abortion last week um, mm. and she like, you know, like caught an STI recently yeah. from doing street based sex work. Um, Things that wouldn't have happened. And if, yeah, luckily, um we found some funding and we were able to like swoop in and um, like help her not work for the week. We basically were able to like pay for a hotel and get her some food. And, um, and it sounds like such a small thing, but you know, it's, it is a very big thing, but there are no, literally no other organizations out there doing that. And like, there aren't, um, there are basically one person from our organization put up their own money sure. and is like waiting to get reimbursed when and if the funding comes when in. When and if, yeah. Well, I know like, that. I and know they that, yeah. are risking their own housing sure. um, to help others and um, have been for months, actually. Well, and I think that that, you know, that's the thing about peer run organizations. And I think, you know, especially within the current climate we live in um where there's a lot of people there everything's very polarized you know you're either supporting uh this thing or you're so sorely against it that you're out uh you know brutalizing homeless people or whatever you're doing you know what i mean that the the middle ground is is sort of non-existent um so i think with peer-based organizations what ends up happening a lot of the time is the people who are working end up putting up their own money all the time because, you know, they've been there and they understand it. Yeah. Right? Sex workers definitely rally around one another. And sure. like, so a lot of us are on Twitter because it's one of the last sort of like 
places that we can. Um, oh, don't tell them. <laughs> it's, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's actually pretty censored, and so like you, it's, it's you true. have to be super careful anyway. But it's sort of one of the last like places where we have some community online. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like often like if somebody is in need, sure. um, you know, we'll make a post and like people will donate, um, you know, to one another and like you know get the things that somebody else you know if somebody needs clothes or like whatever like you know I put a post that you know someone was needing clothes and like I had five responses being like oh I'm gonna go through my closet right now and like yeah you know so like we definitely like rally in that way around each other um I think it's it's important to remember before we had these nonprofits and whatever those communities were supporting each other and themselves because you know they're sort of by the wayside there it's shameful to be a sex worker it's shameful to be a drug user you know these things so um you know it's like people supporting their communities um you know you can just say that and depending on where you're at you'll think oh well yes i support my community and the people in my community you know so how is it how is it any different from the sex work community the drug user community um you know i know that when, when it comes to uh you know, overdosing and Narcan and those sorts of things within the harm reduction community and in the syringe exchange community before there were nonprofits, it was just like other drug users tr- getting Narcan and like, you know, having it or trying to get it up through Mexico before it was legal here. And like, just cause they knew they could save their friends lives. So I think this, this narrative, a lot of people have that, you know, like people who are, you know, our sex workers or our drug users are heartless and like they don't care about anything and they're just out for themselves and it's cut through, you know, it's just, yeah. So what sex I mean, what are your opinions on and that? drug wor- users are some <laughs> of the best, most wonderful people that I know. Um, yeah, my mom actually used to work like in harm reduction before harm reduction was really a thing actually with uh Open Door Clinic, which was on the Ave like years and years ago, mm-hmm. um, kind of preceded the 45th Street Clinic. Oh, I've heard. Yes. And she did a thing called Flying Squad, okay. which was um, like they had a van mm-hmm. and people would call that were tripping out of their minds and okay. didn't want to go to the emergency room. And so my mom and her crew would go to these wherever the person was. And they would go and be with them and, like, talk them down um, and just hang with the person um, so that they didn't have to go to the emergency department. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, like, I feel like I've... Harm reduction is kind of just, like, part of me and, like, part of how I was raised. It's been bred into you. (laughs) There's Um, no getting away from it. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of just, like, I feel like it's common sense. Um, in a lot of ways. And um, I mean, do you think that if you di- if you didn't, if you weren't raised around harm reduction, I mean, do you think you would be doing social work? Do you think that you would be, you think it would be still the same thing or like, I don't, I don't know. know. I guess it's hard to answer, but you know, I always <laughs> wonder because you know, my mom was very much in the same way where she was constantly out helping people and that sort of thing. And I think, you know, you see it and you learn from it and then, you know, you come into life and you're like, oh, you know, I need to go and and help people. And then if you find yourself as part of a subculture, whether that means a subculture as in, you know, punk rock or whatever that, or a subculture as in drug user, sex worker, which, you know, duality a lot within those three, (laughs) um, you know, you, you definitely find out really quickly, uh, about community and you find out really quickly about who's there to support you. Yeah. 
I mean, I think I would have definitely been a drug user, no matter what. Um, the sex worker calling. part <laughs> is like, she wouldn't have approved of that. And sure. she's, she's not alive anymore. So, like, I kind of came into that actually a little bit later in life than most um, people do. Well, yeah, um, I mean, but let's talk about that, you know, because, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're so your mom is gone and now you're like, okay, I'm going to do sex work now. Did you have a desire to do it before your mom had passed totally okay so i mean yeah so there's that i mean let's talk yeah, about that and, shame and you also, know and why yeah and also um i started with like phone sex which mm-hmm. i love and actually think is pretty like fun and hilarious in a lot of ways um and also can be really sweet um which is pretty harmless like it's, in the well <laughs> you know i mean my opinion doesn't matter but i think you know but sex work itself is pretty harmless Some at its base level sex work <laughs> i think can um be really healing yeah it can um yeah. in a lot of ways and i've actually like um paid a sex worker myself for like my own healing um i've gotten like cuddle sessions mm-hmm. from uh, a wonderful local sex worker who you all should get cuddle sessions with <laughs> at miss brick house oh um, dang yeah, she cuddle sessions are not legal, by the way, FYI, if you're listening to this. <laughs> well, I think if you're just cuddling. Yeah. Um, well, and, and getting... there are professional cuddlers out there. They're so, all over the place. So, um, um, but you human touch and human intimacy and, you know, those things are really important. Uh, you know, we all need them. So, yeah. I mean, it's it always it was always been really funny to me um, that, we, you know, we live in this sort of ruthless capitalistic society that wants to make a buck off everything and everything can be marketed and everything can be bought except for uh sex i mean that can be bought and sold but not in the actual physical way where you could have sex unless you're in nevada so it's all these strange stipulations you know it doesn't make any sense it's like but i think body autonomy uh is something that just in itself is really People are scared of it. You know, they it's like yeah. drugs are illegal. It's, sex is illegal. These things, you know, you yeah. can have sex for free, but you can't charge for it. Uh, right. So it's very strange. But dom work is legal. Yes. So there's like definitely different realms. So there's something there. There's, yeah. And I mean, this is a subject that is definitely, you know, it's, it's sex and it's touchy. And as you know, I think a lot of us know that this, the people in this country and luckily we're in Seattle can be fairly scared of se- terrified of sex and talking about it. Um, you know, which I think, you know, within my realm and I'm sure your realm of social work, you talk about sex every day. It's just part of it. And yeah. so it's not strange to like have conversations about whatever's happening. Um, you know, so I think people are uncomfortable a lot of the time um, just talking about sex. And I think, you know, we forget that and you start talking about stuff like this and people just well, hold on. <laughs> For me, it just comes back to reducing harm again. Yeah. You yeah. know, like if you can give people, empower them with knowledge that can help keep them safe or tools, um, you know, like or resources or counseling or mm-hmm. services mm-hmm. or like, you know, all of that stuff. Um, I think just giving people that kind of stuff is empowering and then they can make their own choices and be as safe as they can be. Well, and that, you know, and that's, that's it. Make your own choices, right? I mean, people need to be able to make their own choices. And that's the point. You can't force people into this. You can't force people into that. You can't say, well, you need to start, stop doing sex work right now because I don't agree with that. 
stop doing drugs right now because I don't agree with that. You know, people are going to do what they're going to do. We want them to do it safely, obviously. So, I mean, I think that's obviously like sex work and syringe exchange and harm reduction and social justice and racial, all these things uh, intersect. And we can't talk about one without talking about the other, you know? So I think that's why I thought it was really important to have this conversation, um, you know, especially on a show that uh, is brought to you by a harm reduction based nonprofit that has syringe exchange. And, you know, I know we serve a lot of the same folks too. So, you know, I, and I'm, you know, don't know a ton about it. And I think, you know, having this conversation helps me too, because I'm out on Aurora earlier in the day, but it's still like, yeah, I need to know what the hell I'm doing. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think asking people what they need and want is Mm -hmm. key. And like, when we first started going out, really all we had is like safe sex and safe use and some snacks. Mm -hmm. And then like literally every person we encounter, we would ask them, um, like, is there something that we're not carrying that you all would want or need? Mm -hmm. And we like uh, really increased what we had to offer um, by doing that. Um, And so, yeah, I think really getting out and talking to folks and just like being in the community and like, showing that you're not there to judge them and that you're there to um, just like provide whatever they may or may not need um, is like key. Like you just have to just be there and yeah, be willing. Even if it seems like maybe not something that like is intuitive Mm -hmm. to you. um, If it's something that they're asking for, then it's something that is going to be of use to them. Yeah, they wouldn't ask if they didn't need it, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's just, like, not... It's not for us to judge. No, no, it's not. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, I think it's interesting talking about, you know, talking about sex work in Seattle, talking about a green light project. Um, I don't know, like, I don't... How long... How long have there been services that in any way have, you know, served sex workers in Seattle, do you think? I mean, it's probably, I mean, I know there's been some other organizations around. I mean, around, there's but... different organizations that have been around. There um, like are different organizations that serve different types of sex workers. Sure, and that was the thing. Like yeah. there's SAW, strippers are workers, and they mm-hmm. do a lot of work um, around like policy around the strip clubs. And um, they're like, have been working to unionize the strippers um, and... Um, which they've done in some other places like San Francisco. Yeah. 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 Um, to varying degrees of success. Yes. Um, <laughs> and there's still like a lot of really crooked um, things that happen as far as like fees that dancers are charged on a daily basis that are like actually illegal. Um, mm-hmm. I know that they've passed a few uh, a few things here to do with uh, dancing and I'm not totally, I know that one of them, um, something about putting these like emergency buttons in the private dancing room and a couple other things. Um, but you know, knowing a couple dancers and talking to them, some of those things that were passed had some, some, uh, some stuff that wasn't super helpful. We'll say, uh, much the way, uh, that FOSFA-SESTA, uh, was for sex workers. So I think that happens a lot when people are passing, uh, legislation i did it right that time (laughs) did it uh when they you know they're 
it's people who don't have any lived experience. And I mean, and that's the, the thing right there. So they're, they're passing these different things for dancers, for sex workers, for drug users. And, you know, I think, how do you think that that affects people, you know? Well, I think when you are not including sex worker voices in legislation that you're passing for sex workers, then you're doing a disservice to like everybody um, mm -hmm. to like not just sex workers, but the community at large um, because uh, you're spending resources on things that are not working. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's just there. Like I said, there's so much duality here because I see the exact same thing with, you know, drug users it's like well you're not you don't want anyone at the table so you're gonna come up with something that you're gonna sink hundreds of thousands of dollars into and it's not gonna work um you know much like they have this new uh plan quote-unquote plan they're rolling out uh in Kitsap County where they're going to put syringe exchanges in the clinics like just the regular clinics where people go get you know their primary care done and you know, trying trying to express to them, um, you know, people aren't going to go <laughs> to their primary care clinic and get syringe extra. Like, I'm sorry, but they're not going to do that. You know, yeah, that's a great it's not thought, but it doesn't um, help someone remain like uh, anonymous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they would and rather have the use... autonomy that they need yeah. um, in order to like stay safe and. Um, not expose themselves unnecessarily. Yeah, it's yeah, but you know, people don't want to listen. They think they, they think if it's a vulnerable population, you know, they know best. What's we know best for you. You can't manage your own life because obviously you're doing something shameful. So we're we're just going to take the reins here, and do what's best for you. I mean, I think uh, as far as my experience goes with sex workers, um, I would say that they're uh, pretty smart. And they can pretty much navigate any situation that they're put into. So I really wouldn't worry uh, too much about them. Yeah, I would say we are a fairly resourceful bunch mm -hmm. that um, tend to know what we need and want. Um, Probably more than a lot of people, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think... So let's go back to FOSFA-SESTA and, like, talk about that a little bit more. I don't know, like, a little bit more in depth. Uh, people might not know what that is at all. So, I mean, uh, and what is that about what, a year or two, a year and a half ago? Yeah, go almost two years ago. Oh, God, it's yeah. like, okay. FOSTA, I believe it stands for the Forced Online Sex Trafficking Act. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically what it did, um, among other things, was um, it took down Backpage, which was uh, a place where a lot of sex workers... Um, advertised and were able to like screen clients um, mm -hmm. and it was like um like a free or very cheap way to advertise and so people that were not like um, high high paid escorts um, could like advertise on that site safely um, and then it also took down the Craigslist uh, personals which was I totally a, miss the Craigslist personal. I totally miss the Craigslist. <laughs> I think person. a lot of people do. I have this conversation a lot with people that, man, I miss the Craigslist personals. Yeah, because people were getting great hookups off of the yeah. Craigslist. Well, and I personals. know that you know that the I know that the like queer community suffered greatly when 
Craigslist personals that I still hear about it it's constantly. Definitely, it because just, there know. are not good dating sites for queer folks. No, and I know a lot of people like took or their, like poly folks. Yeah, their numbers and, from Craigslist personals are just like trying to build something off that, and it's you know, but in a way that made those things unsafe too. You know, because there wasn't a trusted platform that people had been on for years and years. Um, you know, so I think it, it's like you said, you know, when you're when you're ignoring the voices of sex workers and what's going on, you're doing a disservice to everybody. And that's one of the great examples right there. Yeah. I mean, really, we need to just increase public health services and make them low barrier and, and include everyone and include people <laughs> and not um, judge them for their um, whatever they need to do to survive or get by, but give them tools to be safe. Um, uh, yeah. And talk about like, safe sex and um, like honestly prep is something that people don't talk about and don't know about, which is um, yeah. a daily pill that you can take to prevent HIV, um, which, you know, but it's not that, I mean, I've been trying to get prep on the mobile van for syringe exchange for a while. It's not, it's accessible for individuals sort of, there's still some pretty high barriers there, but I, it, I think people don't understand like the, when you're trying to go out and even if you're a nonprofit, even if you're a nonprofit that's been around for a long time, trying to go out and do services and you're trying to get something new implemented, that's going to, you know, prevent all these people from getting HIV or going to save lives. And it's just this, this years long struggle. Yeah. I mean, it took, I took me a year and a half to get rapid hep C testing on the mobile unit, which is literally a finger prick. Which so. is another thing that um, people don't have easy access to that, um, you know, a lot of people who use drugs or uh, engage in sex work are at high risk for hep C. And so um, having those resources yeah. like readily available at like drop-in centers or like you know, places where people um, go to, you know, get services um, or even like, you know, I think it'd be great if Greenlight Project could um, bring like a mobile medic out on outreach, you know, at some amazing. point yeah. Um, yeah. and, you know, do testing on the spot um, for I folks. Think, you you know, know, and I mean, I mean, obviously I'm happy to come out and do hep C testing. Like that would be awesome. But again, like the fact that you know, we, we have that now, but, um, you know, we both serve Aurora and Aurora is where there was HIV outbreak and still is right now. Yeah. Um, so again, trying to get prep on the mobile medical unit and trying to get HIV testing on the mobile, which has also been a challenge and really hard to do. I mean, like I'm talking to the person who's in charge of it at the state level and it's just hoops and hoops and, ho and you know, yeah. it's like if I... And working with a population who is who is contracting HIV, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be okay if I prick someone's finger and test them for HIV. You know what I mean? Like and if I have something to offer them like prep, that would be amazing. I mean, what are the risks here? The risks are having people who aren't treated or people walking around at risk of contracting HIV. Yeah. And you're worried about this red tape. you know, I just think we really need to bring those barriers down. At this we point. do. And there also needs to be education involved because yeah. there are there are some risks that I've heard about actually recently around prep that mm -hmm. like 
if you don't, um, it's a pill that you have to take every day, yes. you know, like birth control. Um, and if you miss a dose, mm -hmm. it can make you more, um, if you do contract HIV, then it can make it so that that, so that that strain is, um, more, uh, like not, uh, the potent? antiviral, <laughs> the antivirals won't work on oh. it. So it can so make it like a, to drugs. yeah, resistant wow. to drugs. And so, um, I didn't hear, that's interesting. There is and like some definite education that needs to happen around it. Um, well, and, and it needs tough. to be like widespread. Cause if you've ever been on a birth control pill, you're, you know, you're going to miss that every once in a while that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you take a pill every day. I mean, you know, I take a, I take an antidepressant day every day and sometimes I forget to take it and yeah. it's okay. I'll just take it tomorrow. But I mean, if it's, you're missing doses on prep and that's like a risk, I mean, that's, yeah, thing. it can just increase it to make it so that, yeah, it can be resistant. Wow. Wow. So, but I mean, I mean, then it's like, but people need to know and yeah, they can people, weigh the I think risks. just people just need to know. It's yeah, like, that's I think the thing. a lot of the time people are like, well, we can't have it out there because there are these, well, you know, what happened to letting people make a decision about their own bodies? It's okay. You can tell them, hey, these are the risks. This is, this is, you know, what you could take to prevent this, like how, and then you just like, how sexually active are you? What are you doing? Take those things into account. Let people make their own decisions. You exactly. know, it's yeah. not that rough, but I think, you know, keep keeping these gatekeeping all of these resources for people. Um, because, you know, uh, the government doesn't want to, you know, be put at risk, whatever it is, you know, um, and you can't filter everything through public health and then just like say, well, we're good. We took care of it. You know, it doesn't work because as we know, um, they're getting better, but they haven't quite bridged the gap of having people with lived experience, um, doing their services and the great thing about community-based and peer services is they do have those people so they already have the relationships they already know the people um, so they're you know they're not out there being there's not this fissure between the two people it's like oh you're one of us and you're here to help so if you give those people these resources you're going to get I think you know double triple the amount of people to you know use the resources than you would having somebody on a giant van that has a King County Public Health smacked on the side and, you know, some person who's never used a drug and never done a day of sex work and they're like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it makes, if you take all of the weird political motivation and all of that out of it and you just think about it in common sense uh, parameters, it's, you know, it makes sense. I mean, you're more comfortable with somebody who has experienced what you have experienced than you are with somebody who has no idea. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely having lived experience and meeting people where they're at and like just identifying pe with people in that way um, as somebody that's just there to support them and like walk with them rather than like tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. um, if you're just there to like offer resources and give them a choice, um, they're more likely to make decisions that are going to like benefit them. Um, and the community at large because everybody is making safer and healthier choices um, right. when and they I have that kind of support. What do you think happens when you're trying to, like, force someone into something? You know, I mean, try to force a child to eat something they don't like. I mean, what happens? Like, they, they throw a fit. It lasts all night. It's just, you know, and they're just not, they're not going to talk to you. 
I mean, I'm not comparing like people to children. That's probably a bad comparison. But I mean, my point is, is when you force people to do something um, that they don't want to do, they're not going to engage you anymore. They're going to stop engaging you. Well, and that's not what you want. <laughs> we've seen just that. Yeah. Abstinence, like that kind of like forcing people to, yeah. like, you know, <clears throat> not do something. Um, it just doesn't work. And so... I mean, maybe if you were like, cool, can you stop doing this? Here's an apartment and here's a yearly salary and here's all the comfort. And you don't have to worry about being homeless again. You don't have to worry about, you know. Yeah. You, you so employ drug using yes. sex workers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give us jobs that are like. Sustainable. Sustainable. Career, no, not jobs, careers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> give us. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Lisa. Um, yeah. Treat us like we are um, valuable and valued and um, uh, deserve to have a career. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, and especially in peer support, I think yeah. that they, there's a lot of space for drug using sex workers in, in peer support, peer counselor work. Yeah. I mean, um, I think there's room for them everywhere. There's room for, for them at executive director level. There's room for them. You know, it's thank like, you. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's, it's well, I just, you know, I, I have a lot of friends for sex workers. And I think they're the most savvy, like wonderful people who know what they're doing. And I'm like, if yeah. I could, if I could hire someone to, you know, be, um, a CEO of a corporation that I was invested in, it would be a sex worker because like we're highly brilliant, savvy <laughs> yes. people. And when I need anything, um, I reach out to my sex worker community being like a doctor or a lawyer or a counselor or like, um, I feel like we're very well connected and mm -hmm. have good resources to, um, offer each other word of mouth in that way. Um, I mean, because you, know. you, you all have been having to take care of yourselves, much like the drug using community for many, many, many eons, um, you know, but I think there are all of these great resources that are, like I was saying, like are, are, that are gate kept by the sort of rest of society yeah. um, that would be really just really beneficial to both parties, you know, and I, I mean, I think that there's a slow change maybe happening um, you think that socially, but then they pass ridiculous things uh, like phosphatista, and you kind of go, well. Uh, yeah. But you know, I I always I like to think that the the government uh, is, you know, ten years behind society. Hopefully, <laughs> I don't know anymore though. But uh, <laughs> sometimes I just don't know anymore. But we all feel that way. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so so I mean, basically. You guys go out, you're helping your fellow sex workers out, which is awesome. Um, I, how often do you go out? Do you go out every night? Or? Um, right now, we're, we started out just going out Friday nights, um, and now we have enough volunteers that we've been able to start going out three nights a week. Oh, that's so, great. yeah, we're going out generally Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, and for, like, at least two to three, sometimes four hours, um, just kind of depending on how long it takes. We go one direction and then we go back the other direction and just kind of hit as many folks as we can. Um, and we really like let them sort of lead the engagement. We um, really just like, hey, how you doing? Do you need any safe use or safe sex supplies? Like this is what we have. And then we um, generally hand them like a bag and they can fill up with whatever supplies they want. We let them literally like dig through our backpacks and That's take awesome. whatever they want. Um, 
Yeah. That's a really great way to it's, do it. Yeah, it's yeah. really sweet. Um, And we have, like, many girls that we've, like, regularly engaged with who, like, have really, like, helped frame a lot of the work we do. They're like, oh, we want you to come out, you know, earlier. So we started doing that. That's um, And, you know, they're just, like, super, like, happy to see us. Um, So, yeah, we let them, like, dig for, through our bags. And um, if we see somebody um, who, like, has management with them, we don't often engage. Like, we kind of sure. wait till... Um, they're maybe alone. Till or... they're, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, or at least, like, a ways enough away to where we feel, like, a little bit safer engaging with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, more more often for their safety than ours. Like, we just don't want to, like, make things harder on them. Sure, um, of course, yeah. And, I mean... like, we're definitely, like, not out there to, like put um a gap between like girls and like you know their management and i say management rather than pimp because often like um girls um like want to have somebody um sure, as like a bodyguard kind of protection like, yeah protection and so um but then you know sometimes it there's a really like we, well, there's you can't always, make assumptions about yeah. what's happening there. And, like, there, you know, there's often, like, domestic violence that takes place. And, like... Well, it's, they're humans. And when you have something that's unregulated, I mean, whether or not... There's going to be power. There's going to be power plays. There's going to be uh, different tactics, just like there are in the workplace. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what... I mean, I mean that's, you know, as, as you obviously know, like... Uh, having things be uh, illicit or illegal uh, that, you know, creates a very dangerous atmosphere. That's exactly what I'm saying. And so, yeah, like we just try to really meet the workers where they're at Mm -hmm. when it comes to that and like um, engage with them when they feel most comfortable. Um, And some of them are fine, you know, with like, um, you know, other workers being around and some of them really want to engage more when they're like by themselves. So it's just like really feeling like each sort of um, engagement out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously like, well, everyone's different. Everybody has their different needs and their different situations they're in. But I mean, have you, what do you, how do you think it's affected the general sort of uh, environment uh, out doing like street-based sex work, like as a result of phosphorus? I mean, like, have more are more people on the street making it like more dangerous less so i think it's become more predatory Uh um both by the police oh yeah actually um like i would say like all cops are bad dates is what i want to say about cops you can Um, say it and in front of me anyway (laughs) (laughs) um well, you don't feel... you don't want to go on a date with a cop if you're a sex worker because that just means you're probably in the back of the car going to so, jail. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Um, one of the police. And uh, if it doesn't mean that, then it's even worse. So. One of the police was arrested recently, actually, for soliciting a girl him. during a sting. Yeah, recently. Um, and so there's like there's actually a lot of like threats and um, there's harm a lot of brutality out there. Yeah, I mean by the police. Um, so I would say they are one of the biggest threats mm-hmm. um, as far as, because they have a lot of power and they tend to abuse that power. And so there, and there's no no one to sort of hold them accountable because this is an illegal activity that everyone's engaging in. Yeah. So yeah. they can sort of just play the game however they want, I suppose. And 
and that sort of thing. And, you know, I'm like, I guess when you're out there and you're immersed in it, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. And the other terrifying thing that we've seen is that um, there have been um, crews driving around actually trying to abduct girls. We have physically seen it where um, a car will drive up and um, four big dudes will jump out and they'll start chasing girls and trying to literally um, grab them and pull them into their cars. Um, And um, like I've literally seen a girl running away from a guy trying to grab her and abduct her. Where, um, where while you, we were uh, doing this work. Where do you think that that originates from? I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, you know. I think it's because the increase in um, workers that are not street smart. Sure. They're yeah. doing street-based work, but they're not street they're smart. They're coming from a house sort of back page based. Exactly. And right I think post-FOSTA-SESTA has um, made um, uh, traffickers uh, opportunistic. Sure. And so I'll call them traffickers because um, they are uh, forcing and abducting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't like a common, this isn't commonly what happens in sex work, but when um, legislation is passed that forces work underground, then there is an opportunity for people um, to prey on folks that are vulnerable. Sure, of course. Yeah, much. I mean, again, like much like the the drug war, same thing. You know. Uh, yeah. You you prey on the vulnerable population because uh, you're immersed in this illegal quote unquote activity. Um, so yeah, there's no one to hold you accountable, yeah. and there's no one to go ask for help because because the cops are not safe. Right. Because they're you know it's 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 a very it's a terrible situation to be in um you know there's no it's like a cul-de-sac of awful like there's no way out mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh, you're just sort of going around in a circle trying to keep keep your stuff up and get away from you know all of the predatory people out there yeah um you know and it's like if you bring these things uh into the light if you you know legalize decriminalize uh i don't know that people could get the help they need. They could call for help when there's a problem. Yeah. You know, maybe the police would be held accountable a little bit more what they're doing. Maybe there wouldn't be people out trying to snatch girls off the street. You know, mm-hmm. these sorts of things. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, don't know if only there were some places where we could look at uh, as an example <laughs> that have <laughs> legalized sex work. I mean, I don't know if only there were a place like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, what, there are I mean, some places that are doing a little bit better. Sure, um, of course. Uh, yeah, but I don't think there's anywhere that does it great. I think um, there are some places like in the UK that are a little bit better. Than I mean, here. you know, it's wherever there's it Nevada. Is, you know, yeah. there's the brothels, but that's still like very um, yeah. like high barrier work. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's similar to, uh, you know, there's porn, like, but then that's which still is legal, high, which uh, is legal, ironically, but that's high barrier, legal. you know, it's, uh, so sex work on videotape, uh, is legal, but sex work that no one gets to see is not legal <laughs> apparently. So, um, but yeah, I think it's yeah, very weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, I know that we're coming up on, on time at the end of the show here, uh, very soon, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything you want to add, like wrap up 
I mean, I think it comes back to consent. I think adults should be able to choose um, how they engage in sex and if they want to do sex work or if they want to pay a sex worker. Like, as long as they are a consenting adult, then they should be able to choose, like, what they do with their bodies um, in a sexual way as long as they're, like, not hurting themselves or or anyone else in a way that is, like... uh, super duper dangerous you know yeah absolutely um, well or life threatening you know yeah body autonomy again you know like it's a thing you know it's like yeah it's it's amazing to me that we're not allowed to control our own bodies but you know it's it's a very difficult thing these days to to sort of be like i want to do what i want with my body no you cannot um so anyway i i i commend what you do i think it's amazing um and i'll oh, plug plug again where can we donate to the green light project um, so Greenlight Project Seattle, um, we have a Venmo, we have a cash map, cash app, um, there's a Patreon, um, and if you look us up on Twitter, GLPSEA, um, on Twitter, then you can find like all of those ways to donate. Sweet. Do you all have any events coming up or anything that you think that people should check out if they're curious about? Uh, you know, sort of sex worker rights or just curious about that the world of sex work or whatnot? Um, we could always use more donations. So in-kind cash donations, um, supplies. Um, and if you want to come out and volunteer with us, if you are a sex worker, um, we, we're a peer-run or- organization. So um, we really invite like any sex workers who want to come out um, and do outreach with us Um that would be amazing, and hopefully we will also be able to provide a stipend for folks um, very soon going forward if everything magically falls into place like it's supposed to. Oh, good old magic. Well, I hope so. I wish you guys all the luck, and I definitely support what you do, um, you know, near and dear to my heart. So, um, but yeah, thanks again for coming on. Very last minute. Um, and no I guess we're coming up here on time. Good at 6.59 up on my clock. So um, thanks for tuning in to KODX, uh, third Wednesday of the month, which is, of course, 321 Radio with just, I guess, one to to one right now, (laughs) which I hate one to one. One One to one one. exchange, boo. One and And one, Lisa. One and one. There we go. All right, we got it. So... (laughs) Um, hopefully next time we'll all be on again to annoy you with our voices, but until then, I bid you good day.